We are so happy that you are able to join us for today's message. Our hope is that it will encourage you in your walk with God and inspire you to reach those who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com. Enjoy the message. You know, at the beginning of uh, the year when I was having a break, I uh, was, you know, having a good time. I was cycling around the Swan River quite a bit. So you should cycle around the Swan River, seriously. And I even know where to get coffee, so see me later. But um, got some cycling in, and I was really enjoying that. But also got to, uh, you know, hear some messages and hear some uh, people around the world speaking who were talking about starting 2020. And I was really enjoying those messages, but I was having a smile to myself because I heard some great preachers, great pastors, a couple of them, who were talking to, the, to these big congregations, and they were really saying, this is your amazing year, this is going to be incredible, this is going to be unbelievable, you're going to another level. And when they were saying it, I was thinking, you know, that's an awesome declaration, but you really need to counter it with, there's one word you're going to have to do, which I didn't hear them bring out. And uh, the word that they were going to have to do was change. It's not going to come to us because we just wish for it and somebody says it over our life. It's because we're making decisions that we are going to change. (laughs) People can pray and declare over me all they like, but unless I go, okay... Jesus, I'm up for this. Let's change. Help me to change. Grace me to change. Uh, Lord, I agree with who you say I am. I agree with where you're taking me. You can pray and jump up and down till your hair falls out in declarations over my life. And I can do it over your life all year. But until you say, Amen, I'm in agreement. And I'm prepared to change and grow in my faith. Nothing will change because this is not the kingdom of magic. This is the kingdom of God. (laughs) So can I encourage you? God wants to do amazing things in your life. God wants you to go to the next level. God wants to build you and bless you. But you're going to need to change. And I find every year when you serve the Lord, and I'm coming up to 30, how many is it? Oh, gosh. What? Next year. It's got to be. Oh, no. It's it's 39, right? Yeah. February, I'm coming up to 39 years, I think. Yeah, it is. I got saved at 18 and a half. 39 years in February. And you know what the Lord says to me? Time to change time to change. Some of you have been saved for 39 weeks and you think you're done changing. <laughs> oh, I've, been ch- I've changed now. And I'm at 39 years and God says, get ready to change because I need you to be ex- flexible and open to what I want to do. So, um, so I've entitled my message today, Building Faith Muscle in 2020. Building Faith Muscle in 2020. Because we can all get excited, we can all cheer, we can yell, we can jump, we can declare. But unless we're building some faith muscle and determining that we want to grow, we want to change, and we want to operate by faith, what does that mean? You've got to move your hand for God to anoint it. 
You've got to move your hand. You've got to do something that you haven't done before for God to anoint it. But when we do that, then God takes it and takes us to a new level. You look in the external here, you know, um, uh, you want to see, like if you look back and go, look at, here's a faith example. Talk about my wife. Um, when I said to my wife, you know, we had a church in England and I said, you know, God had put this uh, in my heart that we were going to have a plan a church in her country, England, plan a church in my country, Australia. I'm from Sydney, but God said, leave the Egypt behind. <laughs> By that, it, in brackets, you can't buy a house there. Anyway, <laughs> but, um, you know, how, where do we live, people? This is like a resort without gates. Do you wake up and say, thank you, God, I live here? We were on the Swan River last night. It was like, oh, my gosh, it's like heaven here. Anyway, but anyway, if you're from Sydney, bad luck. Anyway, so... <laughs> I'm from there. So, but when Sue and I came here, we came here because God put a seed in our spirit and in our heart. And Sue, he planted it with me. And then I said to Sue, this is what we're going to, I'm feeling from God. And then what you see now started here. So we came with the boys and a couple of people who, are any of them with us still? I don't know. But five or six people, and now this is our fourth service, and we have two buildings, and we've got a Bible college, and we're planning a church in Germany. We planned a church in Zambia. We've been working in Japan for years. We've been, we've been helping a lot of, doing a lot of stuff. We started a tenacious house for men who want to overcome life-controlling issues and addictions. All the things started here. Here. Didn't start out there. Didn't st it started here. It was a seed of faith. And then I said to Sue, do you want to come to Perth before we follow through? I'd been here once for two days. Sue had never been here. And I said to her, do you want to come? And she said, no. Uh, we obeyed and did what God told us to do in London. And now that church is happening and flourishing. She said, so I trust God and I'll trust you. And so Sue said, uh, you go and set it up and I'll come. And so by faith, Sue was off again. Babe, I honor you. You're a faith woman. You're such a faith woman. So off we went again. And, you know, going to Kiev in Eastern Europe 19 times, going to myself, am I insane? Who goes to Kiev in the Ukraine 19 times? I should be going to Honolulu 19 times. But God never called me to Honolulu. He said, have a holiday there and then go back to Eastern Europe at that stage anyway. But, you know, that church now, Kiev, Hillsong Church, took off its thousands of people. But here, it's a seed. It starts with a seed. It starts with a seed. This was a seed of faith. So everything here was a seed here. Everything. It's a seed here. That's what faith is. It's God drops the seed in, and then faith is a definition. Uh, it's a couple of definitions of the word faith. Great trust. Great trust. Sue says, I'll get on the plane and go by faith. Can't see it, don't know. I've never been to Perth, got no clue. Don't even know what you're talking about. But great trust produces great miracles. Another definition of faith, confidence in God. We put our confidence in God in the UK. We put our confidence in God. Uh, Lifehouse Church Osaka uh, started because our church said, here's the money to back up the seed of faith they had. They started the church. Now uh, hundreds of people in the church in Osaka. So... It's a confidence, it's a knowing, and sometimes it's a knowing that nobody else has. <laughs> sometimes you have a knowledge nobody else has. It's like you have, an, like from eternity, there's like this uh, 
spiritual hotline between you and God, a seed of faith. Now, what you need to do is not do things outside the parameters of God's Word. You don't do things outside the parameters of wisdom. So everything we did, we would put trusted, wise people in, hey, here's what we're feeling to do. Here's what we're feeling to be a part of. And, uh, you know, years ago, I had an opportunity uh, potentially to go to America. And uh, some good money there, right? <laughs> and uh, anyway, but I knew it was, it, was about, it was an opportunity of money. It wasn't God. So, and I told one of my friends and said, can you see me doing this? And he goes, no. He goes, no, that's not for you. And then I said, well, actually, we're feeling called to start a church in Zambia, and we're feeling called to do this. He goes, yeah, that's what you meant to do. You need people in your life who will tell you and affirm your calling, not what you want to hear. At the time, I thought the money sounded really good. Anyway, <laughs> you got to do what does God want you to do? In your life, everybody, if you're doing something and you keep hitting your head against a brick wall, you know what's really good? When you stop. Some people relationally, they smash their head against a brick wall. They go from relationship to relationship. There's problems, there's issues, there's challenges. Job to job, smash, smash, smash. Situation to situation, smash, smash, smash. We need to stop and say, hey, I got to get some wisdom here because this may not be faith. This may be crazy. <laughs> this may be crazy. If you've got no fruitfulness for a long time, you need to stop and question that you're doing the will of God. God may not be in on this. this. It may be a lot more of your emotion than it is spiritual. And we have to be so careful, everybody, because I've discovered this. Most people do life by feelings. Let me say that again. Most people are doing life by feelings. Most Christians are doing church by... Well, you shouldn't really speak it out, but yeah. Most Christians are doing church by feelings. Never knew I was going to feel like this today. Didn't know I'd wake up feeling like this. Oh, I didn't know I was going to feel like this this month. I didn't feel like it last year. If you live your life by feelings, you're finished. You're finished. Now, I didn't say don't feel feelings. You should feel them. I was, when I became a Christian, I was numb from the pain and abuse in my childhood, I was numb, if not dead in my heart, didn't feel, and uh, hadn't cried since I was a young child, and then I became a Christian, I'm like, everybody else was happy at church but me, I'm like, oh, just cry my eyes out, and then everybody's praying for me, depression, I said, I'm not depressed, I'm happy, <laughs> leave me alone, <laughs> and what was happening was I was actually getting healed, and I was happy, but I was crying, and then everybody else was thinking I had depression, sometimes you can see people who look really happy all the time, they're the party people. They're sick, and all the people who are sitting crying, they're getting well. You, you, you need to be careful about what you judge as health. <laughs> but most people do life by feelings. Now, I didn't say don't feel. You need to feel. You need to come alive and feel. If you're numb, welcome to God's house. God's going to bring you alive, so you begin to feel. But I do not give authority to any feelings unless I've scanned that feeling. I don't give any legitimacy to that feeling until I've scanned it. What is that feeling about? What is that about? Where's that coming from? Why am I feeling that? What's that going to produce? Like self-pity. I used to love self-pity. Anybody have favorite feelings? 
Favorite? I had a favorite, self-pity. <laughs> I can't believe what I've been through. And I just sit and be morbid about that for days. And then I realize it is the most useless emotion you can ever have is self-pity. It's useless. It produces nothing. I try to think, what will this produce? <laughs> Zip. <laughs> so, so I decided I am not going to give authority to self-pity. So you have to work out, are you legit, am I, if I legitimize this feeling and give it some authority in my life, what will come? So everybody, don't live your life by feelings. Feel them, but determine I'm going to live by faith according to the Word of God. And uh, I'm going to make sure that my feelings, hello, are in right place under the Lordship of Christ. Look what the Bible says in Romans, everybody, about faith. Did I give you the full definitions? No. Great trust, confidence in God. Did I give you that? Active trust in God? I did. Okay, good. All right. Just checking with the class. <laughs> Romans 5, 1 to, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by water, baby, sorry, baby christening. Oh, sorry, wrong Bible. How many people think they've been made right because they got christened as a baby? Yet yeah, the Bible says that has absolutely nothing with your standing between you and God. It says, therefore, since we've been raised right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I love that the Bible says that we have been made right before God, not by church attendance, not by turning up on sacred days, not by being christened. You've been made right before God according to the Word of God by faith. Great trust and confidence in Jesus Christ and what He has done. And then the Bible tells us faith is belief, hello, that, that results in action. If you're a person of faith, you then act upon it. And that's what brings about salvation. So, and the Bible says that because of our faith, we now have undeserved privilege. You now have privilege with God that you actually don't deserve. You have privilege with God that you actually don't deserve. And your only access to it is not through your good works. It's by faith in Jesus. It's through what He has done that now you have this undeserved privilege. Anybody feel like you've got an undeserved privilege on your life? Oh my gosh, the grace of God is on you now. The blessing of God is on you now. The anointing of God. God gives you insights you would never have. Never have had. That's why when I look on at people going crazy in the world now, there's so much craziness out there. You can't get mad with people in the world because they haven't seen or heard what you've seen and heard. They haven't seen and heard. So that's why people are crazy, because until you've seen the Word of God and heard the Word of God and lived in it for a while, you can do anything. But when you've seen it and you've heard it, it changes you. So our faith brings undeserved privilege. We then access God by faith. You want to access God in your life? It's by faith. And then the Bible tells us we've been justified by faith. We walk by faith. Moses, part of the Red Sea by faith. Noah built an ark by faith. With God, everything is by faith, not by feelings, but by faith. And even worship 
is actually an act of the will. It's an act of faith. You know, uh, some people, when they come to church, they're like, oh, I don't really sing along. It's not my personality. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not a smiley person. Uh, yeah, I don't lift my hands in church. No, 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 it's not really my thing. I'm more, you know, this kind of person. You know, <laughs> none of that's in the Scripture. I worship God. I sing to God. I actually lift my hands to God. Not because I think it's a nice, cute thing to do in the 12 p.m. service or any, any service. It's a nice look. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with that. It's because the Bible says, lift up holy hands to the Lord. So because I live, tr- uh, hang on, because I aim to live, not because I live, get that, because I aim to live in obedience to the Word of God, I go, lift up holy hands to the Lord. That is an act of my will in obedience to God. Worshipping God. Worshipping God is an act of my will. Um, You know, praying is an act of my will. I want to do it because it's actually me saying to God, I'm operating my will to do what your word says. And uh, you watch God move in your life when you start doing what his word encourages us to do. You know, on the inside of us, everybody's got a whole lot of stuff. Nothing like trouble to reveal what's in us, right? <laughs> Anybody ever, you look so Christian and then suddenly you had hell break out and you even surprised yourself as to what was in there? <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, I thought I was a Christian. What was that? <laughs> Somebody says, yes, I'm sitting next to that person now. I remember that situation. <laughs> All of us have got stuff. All of us have had stuff. But in the middle of it, we need to realize, hello, that God has put faith within us. And uh, we need to walk in that faith. And can I just say this too, by the way? Everybody has problems. Everyone has problems. Don't ever think you haven't got a problem that other people haven't had. And you're unique in your problems. Sometimes we think I'm the person within a unique set of problems, special problems. No one's been through what I've been through. Do you know what? There's always somebody worse off than you. There's always somebody worse off than you. And you'd be surprised at some of the things that we face, that there's somebody not two or three rows away who faced something similar, who's now conquering in that situation, but you just don't know about it. And so we've got to be careful that we don't kind of make this thing with God of, well, Lord, you can't, you know, move in my life because, you know, I've been through so much stuff and, you know, and I'm unique, and it's more difficult than other people. Nah. We've all been through things. And some people have been through hellish things, and we don't take away from that. But do you know what? If one person, you look and see one person in God's kingdom walking by faith out of that, can I encourage you? They are God's example to you that you can walk out too out of that. People who smoke or are drug addicts or alcoholics, can I encourage you to think, oh, I could never change. That's how it's always been. My family was like that. Well, can I just encourage you, Pastor Spencer sitting there right now who is a heroin addict and a crack addict, and all I want to say to you is if he can get out of being a crack addict, he can get out of a heroin addict, there's hope for you to get out too. If he can walk out, you can walk out by faith. But we need to build our lives on faith and on God's word now before the storm comes. Because the storms of life come. You know, uh, I've never told this story before, but I told it today in church. I forgot about it, but it was a huge story years ago when Sue and I were planning the church in London, probably about 
five, I would think, something like that. And uh, so how old would Geordie be? 93. Oh, I see, he's two. Okay, so Jordan would have been about two. Nathan would have been four. Sean would have been six. And so we played in the church, and um, we'd had a great service. We met in a high school in North London, and it had like quadrangles where everybody would park their cars. And, and I remember the service had finished, and Sue had all the kids' stuff, and she thought, I'll just go out, put it in the boot, and then come back in to speak to everybody at the end of the service. Anyway, um, one of the guys in church, he's an awesome guy, he brought a brand new truck. And so he'd parked his new truck directly behind our car, and Sue was loading things in, and there's probably 20 people who were coming out of the service, kind of saying goodbye to each other, you know. And as Sue was loading the stuff in, he thought, to be really polite to Sue, I'll back the truck back so Sue's got more room to put the stuff in the, in the boot. So anyway, as he started the car with everybody coming out, he put it in drive and drove straight into Sue and trapped her between our car and his truck. And people just started screaming. And I was just coming in, I was just in the hallway inside the door. And they're all screaming. And then I heard Sue yelling out to me saying, Jared, my legs are breaking. Anyway, so I came out and I went to him, what are you doing? And then he just panicked and tried to throw it into reverse. And he drove forward again. So I can remember seeing Sue. And then he went, boom, on top of her again with the truck forward. And then Sue just screamed and said, I think they're totally breaking like this, right? It was just horrible. So everybody's just totally losing their minds, traumatized, screaming. He's in such a chaotic, you know, like he's lost the plot. And then I'm going, just back it up. Somebody else get in reverse quick, you know. And I've got Sue's hand. Anyway, he backed up and then Sue just collapsed on the ground. And I just thought, both of her legs are totally broken. You just... There was no way this huge brand new truck that had come forward twice on her, her legs weren't broken. So she was crying and everybody's come over and we were praying. And then I think Pete and Jen were with me and we just in faith said, Lord, by faith, Sue's healed. You're, you're her healer. And we just cry out to you, God, right now. So for about half an hour, we all prayed and Sue was just lying there crying. And then at the end of half an hour, everybody was like, oh my gosh, it was like this huge, huge, huge deal. I said to her, how are you, baby? And she said, look, try and stand me up. And I said, okay. So we put her up. And when she got up, she said, oh, they feel all right. So I said, are you okay? She said, yeah, let me just try and walk a bit. She goes, oh, a bit awkward. But she goes, no, it's all right, eh? So she was, it was just had to be supernatural. There's just no other way. This huge truck had crushed her twice. And then I said, okay, we'll, we'll go. We went home. When we got home, I took her outside and we just walked around. And she said, honestly, they're all right. She goes, I just feel a bit wobbly, but nothing else. Anyway, he was poor guy. I think he was going to jump off London Bridge. <laughs> so, <laughs> had to ring him and say, don't jump off the bridge. We love you. He's got flowers arriving. Sue didn't even go to the hospital. She said, she said, no, I'm okay, I think. It's fine. Let's just rest in what God's done and in that prayer. And, uh, you know, we realized then, here we were planning the church, building the church. Listen, and we realized what we realize now. The devil wants your faith. The devil wants your faith. The devil wanted our faith. He wanted Sue and I to stop believing, stop trusting, start blaming, start blaming. And we had to make a decision, you know, then and, you know, when we were having kids and had challenges having kids, stop blaming, start trusting, because the devil wants our faith. And everybody, can I encourage you? You have been given a measure of faith. God has given you a supernatural measure of faith. Romans 12.3 actually declares it. It says... 
For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There we go, boom. (laughs) But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So the Bible tells us every person here has got a measure of faith. Every person here, God has given you a measure of faith. And the Bible tells us, hang on, think soberly, which a good definition of that is, do not be intoxicated by outside influences. Let me say that again. Do not be intoxicated. Don't be inebriated by outside influences, but be impacted by God's word that he has given you a measure of faith. Some of us can be intoxicated by the world, by social media, by our pain, by our past, by our, our Instagram account. You know, don't, the Bible is saying, listen, don't get drunk with this stuff, but be alert and aware. You've been given a measure of faith, and God's saying to you, use it. Use it. Each one's got a measure, but you've got to use what you got. And so here's a, here's a, a big definition of faith actually faith is submitting your will to his will faith is submitting your will to his will (laughs) you know um i used to want to submit well lord i'll do this if you do that and lord i'll do this if you do that and lord you've got actually i was going to give you two o'clock lord but i'll make it 3 30 you got till 3 30 god you know all the God's not this big deal maker in eternity. He's a father and he loves us and he wants me to, by faith, trust him. When I can't see what's ahead, I can't see the road. God's like, give me the road. And, uh, and also too, God puts people around us to stop us going over the cliff. I just <laughs> said in the 10 a.m. service, you know, if somebody said to me, Pastor Jared, there's a hole in the road, don't drive over the hole. I would go, thank you for the tip, and I would drive that way. Do you know the amount of people I've met who, if you said to them, do you know there's a hole up there I wouldn't drive there? Oh, don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. Boom. I can't tell you the amount of people who go over the cliff who've had counsel and wisdom, but they know better than God's Word, God, people, leaders. I'm like, if you give me a tip, you're going to go over the cliff there? I'm going to go, thank you for the tip. We'll drive over here, thanks. How many people have wasted 10 or 20 years of their life because they would not, cannot be told? Some people still have been saved for years, still cannot be told anything. Say for years, decades, still no one can tell. How do we know if you can be told? Here's how you can be told. If somebody tells you something, you're like, okay, I'm going to think about that. I need to really pray and commit that to God. That's a wise person. I feel like, well, who are you to tell me anyway? But you may not say that at the time. You're kind of like, ah. And you're smiling. Oh, yeah, amen. But you're saying, I'll do what I want. And you're like, yeah, mm, amen. But I'll do what I want. That's called foolishness. That's not a submitted will. I need all the wisdom I can get. I don't want to go over any cliffs. By the way, I just said all the single people. If you're single, you're cool. You're single, you're cool. Just come into the pastoral offices. Everybody who comes in is single wants to get married. Everybody who's married wants to get single. <laughs> Nobody's happy. <laughs> Can you leave us alone? Stop bringing us there. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> if you're single, you're cool. Don't race into no relationship before time. 
You're far better to be single for 30 years than end up with girls, some guy who is a fool. You got three decades of hell because you're like, I got a bit desperate. No, you are not a half looking for a half. You're an amazing hole. Young lady, you're an amazing hole. Young man, you're an amazing hole. You are a whole person. And you need to value yourself. Take yourself out for dinner. Swap sides of the table. Gee, you're good. I think you're cool. I know. I'm feeling good about me too. Amen. By faith, we're going forward. <laughs> yeah, do you're not a half. Live cool. Be amazing. Do what you do if you're believing for a relationship, but don't race into something. RAC has a 44-point car check. Most people, when they're getting married, have had a three-point car check. Yeah, he likes my cooking. Yeah, and he's promising when we get married, he's going to get a job. <laughs> In five years, you'll be like, Pastor Spencer, could you pray for me? You'll be like, what's it for? There's this guy I want to kill. Who would that be? Oh, the one I married, he's on the couch at home at the moment. <laughs> could you pray I don't kill him? <laughs> don't raise him to stop. You need to go, I need wisdom. I need grace. I need a 144-point check. <laughs> and, uh, you know, why chase what you can attract? Why chase what you can attract? Live yourself with great dignity. You'll attract them. Girls, you'll attract this. Ooh, this girl, she's, whoo. This guy. Why chase what you can attract? Anyway, that just, you know, 12 p.m. service. Thank you, Izzy. No one else liked it, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. What's believing? Faith. So that you are bound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says if you want joy, what do we all want? Joy and peace, right? Why is everybody on drugs? They want joy and peace. Why is everybody drinking? They want joy and peace. Why is everybody eating nonstop? They want joy and peace. And the Bible says, where is it actually? It's in believing. Lord, I believe you. Every day, start your day. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I believe you got my life in your hands. I, in actual fact, Lord, I surrender my life to you. If you want the life God's got, which is always the best life, just surrender it every day. Lord, surrender to you. You say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I only have a small brain, Lord, but you're the... You're the creator of the universe. So, Lord, thank you that you got the best life ahead for me. Lord, I surrender to your life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Having something and using it are two totally different things. You have faith, but God's saying, use it. Having it and using it are totally two different things. We need to use it. And God's stirring me up right now. Use it again. 30, how many years later? Oh, my gosh. Really? I should be having a little break now, having a little coffee, a little sit down, a year or two, <laughs> five years, come back and see you all in five, go to Hawaii, 38 years pastoring, and the Lord's like, nope, <laughs> go again. For indeed the gospel, Hebrews, was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Well, God's Word teaching us, you can be a hearer of the Word deceiving yourself. That's what the Scripture says. But we need to hear it, then mix faith with it. Hear it, then mix faith with it. God says you can mix faith with it. 
God says you can do it, step up and do it. God says he's with you, go ahead. Most Christians are trying to do stuff that they can already do when God's trying to get us to do stuff that we can't do. <laughs> he's trying to get me to do stuff we can't do. And I'll just say this, everybody. If you came from another country or another city or another church, you need to hear this. You need to leave that behind. Now, bring the blessing of it. Bring what you learned and all that. But you've got to go every season with God as a new season. When Sue and I moved from London to plant the church, we got here and we went, England's gone. New season, it's all Perth. We were looking for red phone boxes. There was none here. Didn't have British chocolate. We were upset. No. We had to focus on everything God was doing here now. And God was like, that's been good. That was great, but that's done. That's been good. That was great, but that's done. Most people can't engage with now because they can't let go of yesterday. They can't engage with what God's doing now because they can't, can't let go of yesterday. They can't engage with the calling God has for them now in our church and in our city because you're too busy living back in Europe or in New Zealand or in Africa or Fiji or somewhere. You're living there. And God's like, what are you doing there? That was great. Or not so great, but that's over. Live here now. Live here now. Live here now. And it's always new. Your faith grows according to what you can carry. Your faith grows according to what you can carry. What are you carrying? You know, when I got saved, the big words uh, 39 years ago in February. Mari. That's a bit much, isn't it? That's unbelievable. Anyway, when I got saved, they would talk about, for everybody who got saved way back, all my friends, who remembers they talk about being a disciple all the time. You do the disciple course and the disciple maker course. That was what we all were brought up on. Now it's just, you're a Christian. Well, in the scripture, the word Christian only appears like three times, I think. But the word disciple appears 239 times. Which do you think Jesus wants you to be, a Christian or a disciple? What do you think? Jesus wants us to be a disciple. And in the Greek, <laughs> a disciple means disciplined one. Disciplined one. I'm a follower of Christ now, and now I'm disciplined. In the 8 a.m. service, I said to them, I hadn't had breakfast. I was really starving. And I said, if I lived by my feelings now, like so many people, I would be just in Hungry Jack's having a double Whopper, which I don't ever eat them. But I, this morning, I felt like one and a cappuccino or flat white. But I said, do you know what? I'm a disciple. So I have to discipline myself and had to stay with the 8 a.m. service. Oh, I don't want to preach. I want to go and eat a burger. <laughs> if I was a Christian like you, I would have just gone. Excuse me, I can get my burger. See you next fortnight or something. But because I'm a disciple, <laughs> I was like, all right, Lord. If I got to preach, I will. <laughs> Your faith grows according to what you. And I use the analogy of, where's Pastor Eli? He's got, a, he's got a Burger King. Where is he? Ah, he's up the back there. Just come here for a minute. Come here for a minute. I'm going to use you as an example of not eating Burger King. But I do think you've snuck in the odd one or two. Oh, he, he, he acknowledged that. Yeah, there we go. So now look, Eli likes to work out. 
He's just confessed his sin here and now. He just said he had two pizzas and a tub of ice cream last night. I was going to say shame on you, but Jesus says shame off you. So he's taken it off. Now, I asked Eli, right? I said, I bet you get people who've never worked out in their life come to you and say to you, you know, Eli, you should try this. They never worked out. They're probably really skinny. You need to eat this. You need to um, take this and come and counsel him. And uh, and you said to me, what was your answer when I said, do they do that? Yeah, all the time. (laughs) Did you hear that? Say that one more time. All the time, but I'm a Christian. So I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, awesome. (laughs) I'll I'll do that. I'll try that. (laughs) So you kind of polite, thank you. But people who've never worked out, he works out, come and tell him what to eat, what to drink and how to do it. Do you know that happens in the kingdom all the time? See, that's him in the natural, but in the spiritual, that's him as well. Actually, that's more me in the spiritual. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank Eli, thank you, Eli. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Awesome. He's awesome. But in the kingdom, he's actually building himself like that through what he's lifting. So the way you're going to build your faith is through what you lift. So if you never carry anything in God's kingdom or God's house, you're never going to build any spiritual uh, muscle. And, uh, and so I want to encourage everybody, make sure that you are building spiritual muscle. And say so this week, we've got Starting Strong coming with Pastor Ashley Evans. That's really where you come and say, hey, I need to help carry something so I can grow spiritually. Otherwise, what I discovered over the years, there's a lot of people who've got a lot to say about the kingdom, but they actually never carry anything. So, and here's Eli getting counseled by people who don't work out what to eat and what to drink. Can I encourage you in the kingdom of God, don't be counseling everybody in the church how they should do it. People come and give people prophecies. This is what you should do. This is how the church should be. This is what she should do. That's what that Pastor Mari should do. That's what they should do. Listen, carry something. Pick up a dumbbell before you start counseling everybody else on how their body should go. And uh, I always think that we need to think our commentary in the kingdom should be in line with our credibility. Your commentary in the kingdom should be in line with your credibility. When it comes to the gym, Eli has got a lot of credibility. Talk to him. Don't tell him what to do. And, uh, and also, he's got great spiritual credibility as well. So in the kingdom, make sure you're carrying before you have a comment. I had a, a, like a, somebody who's connected to our family went on the internet writing about the church and the kingdom and the leaders and all this. And I'm reading it thinking, buddy, what the heck? What the heck? He's writing about the church should do, the kingdom should do, pastors should do this. I text him and said, do you run a home group? He's like, no. So I then messaged him on Facebook and said, I said, mate, until you have loved, had a connect group or a home group and cared for 12 people in a home group for 10 years, you have nothing to say. You got nothing. What do you got to say? You've not carried anything with people, yet you're telling churches and Christians how they should do everything. So I said, mate, go and look after 12 people. Care for them. Help them. Pray them through their time of challenge. Love on them. Help provide for them. Give them hospitality. Feed them. And come back in 10 years, and we'll listen to a little bit of what you've got to say. Until Until then... 
Well, he sent me a message back. Thank you, Pastor Jared. And then he blocked me. <laughs> but my job was done. My job was done. And uh, I haven't heard too much from him. Too many people are keyboard warriors when you should be a church warrior. Say to somebody, what can I help carry? I need to become, I was, I've been a Christian for 10 years. I've been a Christian for 20 years, but I actually am not a disciple. What can I carry? What can I carry? Because I need to build some spiritual muscle. What can I carry? I need to build some spiritual muscle. I, I just say, I learned from Pastor Jared to stop talking and just start carrying. And then God says, amen, we can start moving you into your destiny in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a great hand, everybody. Let's give the Lord a great hand. Be upstanding. Be up. Can we give Jesus a great hand for your amazing 2020? <laughs> For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com.